a Woodside Church podcast. Well, good morning, everyone. Morning, morning, morning. Sorry to cut your conversation short. I'm so glad you had so much to say to one another, with the people next to you. For those who weren't here when Martin pointed towards me, I'm Ollie. I'm part of the team here, one of the pastors at Woodside, and I kind of oversee the work we do with our 11 to 18s. So this day is a very special day for me, seeing Samuel um, be baptized after so many conversations on the way to New Day going. I know you don't really want to be here, but let's just try and make the most of it. So this is a real, really joyful day for us um, as a church family, as well as for those in youth. It's lovely to see all of you here before you go off to uni to support your friend. And if you are new here, I just want to extend my welcome to you. It's so great to have you with us. We are so excited. Baptisms are great in the office this week. How many visitors are we going to have? How many new people? How are we going to get around? How are we going to fit them all in? It's so great to see all of you, especially Samuel's family, a lot of who whom we saw last Easter as well for Lydia's baptism. And this morning, I'm talking half to do with baptisms, but also to kind of introducing our missional community series with the launch of our, of our community groups. So kind of pointing to both, integrating them, doing it off the foundation of truth from the Bible, which we've heard in Samuel's Confession of Faith and everything like that. But that's quite a task doing both of them. And so I was going back and forth. What should I speak on? What should I speak on? And as I oversee the youth last week, we invited those that went from year five to year six upwards into our groups. I'm sorry there's not a youth group on for you guys today, but hopefully the preacher is not too boring. I really hope that if he is, we've got a problem. And I was over in our great denim site, and we were doing kind of an introductory uh, session on one of the Psalms, and we were doing a mind map about God's characteristic. Now, I love mind maps. I'm not going to do a mind map this morning like I do with every other preach, I'm sorry, but... I was, I was speaking with, one, with someone who was new to our youth group, and she said, Ollie, I've, I've got this thing I need to write on my mind map about God's character, but I can't quite put it into words, so can I tell you a story? And I was like, okay, yeah, I wonder what this story is going to be. And so I get down, I kind of get on their level, and I say, go on then. And she says, well, when I was younger, every night I used to read this book, and um, it's, about, it's about a shepherd, and he has ten sheep. And I go yeah, okay, trying to be interactive, trying to, like, urge them on. And she goes, right, have you got that? Yeah, I was like, yeah, okay. And she says, and then, right, there's, like, loads of wind and rain and storms, and the shepherd realizes that the sheep has gone. One of the sheep has gone, so he only has nine, right? And I'm like, yeah, right, okay. Come on, come on, come on, carry on. And then she goes, and then the shepherd, really brave, makes sure the other nine are okay, and he goes through the wind and the rains, go up to the, goes up to the mountains, find the sheep, right? And he was really joyful, and he came back, and they're a happy sheep family. Everyone's celebrating. And she goes, and then I think that shows that God cares for me. And in that moment, my heart both melted as much as it was filled, and that's when I knew what I was going to speak on today. You see, that story, although maybe that had a bit of artistic license, one, I was just so joyed that they had the revelation of God cares for them. If you've been a Christian for a long time, what's it like to remember that first time where you realize God cares about me? And that's what we're going to use today. We're going to base that story and then look into how we can develop community. And we're going to read, I'm just going to pray, and then we're going to read the actual story from the Bible. Not that that was too far wrong anyway, but I'm just going to pray for us now. God, I thank you for this morning. The joy of celebrating Samuel committing his life to you. And knowing that you care for him, that you've always cared for him, and that he can truly trust you with everything. 
And Lord, just this morning, as we've got people here who have come to church for years and years, and those whom it might be their first time, Lord, I pray you just fill this room, speak to us today, use me to, to say what you want to say to everyone that's here. And Lord, we just give this rest of this morning to you. Amen. Cool. So I'm going to read the story that that story was linking to. It's in a book called Luke. Now, if you've never read the Bible before, we believe this is the Word of God. And Luke is one of the first books in the New Testament, and it kind of displays and explains Jesus' life, and we believe Jesus is God on earth. And in Luke 15, it's kind of the book of, like, the parables. And a parable is just a story that is used to display a wider meaning. In this book, there's three parables, and they all display something that was lost and then it's found. And we're going to look at the first one. I'm going to read it to you guys, and it should come up on the screen as well. And it starts like this. The tax collectors and the other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. That, for me, is an incredible story. It's one that you might know, and actually, normally it focuses on God's value for the one, which we are going to look at, but we're also going to explore what about the other 99, what about the community that is formed when someone comes back to God and we celebrate together. And I hope this will serve you really well. But the first point is that God searches for the one. We've seen it this morning, how God searched for Samuel, how God seeked Samuel all the way through his life, and we've seen the commitment together. And in that story, I just want to highlight the two verses for this bit. And it says, won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? So I was like, won't he just go? It's like not even a question. The shepherd is going to go to find the one, and there's a reason for that. And it says, and when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors to celebrate together. Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. That's what we're going to look at to start with. And as I said, the wider context of this verse is that there are three parables. The first parable is the lost sheep, and there is one sheep that is lost out of 100, which is a pretty wide ratio. The next sheep, the next sheep, the next parable explores the idea of coins or treasure, and it is one coin out of 10 that is lost, but it's then found. And the last one, which you might have heard of, is the lost son. One son is lost out of two, but he is found. And when the Bible repeats something on and on again, it's something we have to pay, att- pay attention to. It's not just one idea that's been repeated. Jesus is trying to tell us something for repeating this theme of the story. And almost, if you've, it, I'm not musical, I'm, I'm not a good singer, but I assume the best way to explain it is like a song, and there's three singers up on the stage, and they're all singing different melodies. And only when they come together do we truly hear the beauty of the song? And only when we put all these three parables together, really see God's heart for the one, 
do we really see the full story? So these are all working together in tandem. Um, and they are all lost, and then they're found. It's also worth saying for the story, though, that in biblical times, if a shepherd had a hundred sheep, they are a very well-off shepherd. Okay? They are quite high up in the shepherd world in terms of value. Not that I'm, a, not that I'm into farming either. I'm just speaking to loads of areas I don't actually really know about. But this is an extremely wealthy shepherd that we see in this story. And really, if we're looking at pure value of sheep, just searching for one when he had the 99 would seem a bit strange. There's not much to gain in theory by looking for one when he already has 99. Again, in the different parables, we see maybe one to ten coins or pieces of treasure is a bit more worth going for, and one out of two, that is also, again, also worth going for. But the, but the change, the difference between numbers shows us that actually it's not the other number, it's the one that is valuable. The one sheep, the one piece of treasure, the one son. And actually, in my memory, we've done, since I've kind of been on the team, we've had lots of Baptism Sundays, and every Baptism Sunday, there's actually been loads, quite a lot of youth that are being baptized, two, three, four, five, six, on various Baptism Sundays. And naturally, in the build-up, I've been going, why are we only having one person being baptized on a Baptism Sunday after New Day? Especially when we're having so much growth within the youth work and across the church, within our community. Actually, for us today, as we go towards a period of growth, entering into community groups together, I do believe that God is speaking to us as a church about the value of the one person who returns to God. I don't think it's a, it's a coincidence that only Sam got baptized and still we can all gather together and celebrate because Samuel is valuable and everyone that God finds is valuable. And that is one of the points I want to say to you today. No matter who you are, we all are inherently value, valuable. Okay? It's not about the other number, it's about the one. It's about the one, and we are inherently valuable. God clearly searches for the one, and I could have not said anything, and that still be displayed this morning through Samuel's testimony. And I just want to say, you delivered that so, so well. It's not easy standing on a stage in front of this many people, um, and you were a natural. So well done, Samuel. We were so proud of you. I was so proud of you at that moment. Can we have another round of applause for him? He was great. So you didn't seem nervous at all. So well done. So that's point number one. I want you to remember that God searches for the one. Okay. Then the second point, though, is what about the other 99? I read through this, this passage about six weeks ago, thinking I could do on this, and I'm thinking, how do I talk about God's value for the one when he, it kind of seems like the other 99 are just kind of left to the side? Um, but then Martin was like, shall we speak on community as well? And I thought... Well, this is coming together nicely. The story says, I'll just read another verse of the story. It says, Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And for us today, the idea of wilderness perhaps isn't really what this story is pushing into. When I think of wilderness, I think of the definitions such as maybe like inhabitable or kind of neglected to the side, but I can confidently stand here today that that is, not, that is not what this story means. What this story is not saying that God neglects the other 99. But what is it saying? What is it saying? 
And to do this, I've just, for context, just um, finished a degree in theology, um, which was great. But when we do that, it's really important to look at the language that was originally used in the Bible. And the Greek word used here is one I can't, I'm not, I don't speak Greek for context either. Um, <laughs> but it's a Greek word called eremos. Thank you, thank you. You definitely didn't have to say that. Um, now, this Greek word is used 48 times in the Bible, and for, uh, 48 times in the Bible, and 34 times is it exactly translated to the word wilderness. So it's not unfair to say that it's meant to be this word, but what does the Bible mean by wilderness? I'm just going to explore a few different occasions where it uses this Greek word. We see it in the Old Testament, where Moses leads people out of Egypt. It says, they were led into the wilderness, and they were there for 40 years. Quite strange, this story about God leading people out of somewhere where they were oppressed and found difficulty, and then led them to this wilderness. Perhaps the definition there doesn't match up. We also see Jesus, who is explaining this parable and is God on earth, also led in the wilderness, into the wilderness, and he's there for 40 days. Of course, in the wilderness, these stories, I'm not saying there isn't moments of temptation or difficulty. It is difficult. But importantly, the Bible's definition of wilderness, you are still with God and you are carried through. You are led through the wilderness by God. And that is a message for us today. If you have been coming to church for years, if you, have, if you were once lost and now found and now part of this community, on this earth, there will be times of temptation and trials. Being a Christian isn't always easy, but there's a promise here that when we are in these moments that God will be with us and guide us through. The Holy Spirit is present today. So I just wanted to contextualize that. And it's important to also know that the 99 remained together. There wasn't people walking off all over the place. The 99 sheep stayed together. And that's pretty impressive. Again, not that I'm a farmer, but I'm told that sheep wander, and they wander a lot. They basically wander to wherever the grass is. But it's quite significant, I think, that the 99 remained together. They were a community together, and they strengthened each other, kept each other on track to wherever they wanted to graze or get the grass. And that is leading to the point. What about the other 99? The sheep were in the wilderness, but they were there together, and they were with God. Now, to display this a little bit further about the importance of community, I want to look at a specific tree. Really exciting, I know. And I'm just going to apologize now. I actually cannot pronounce the name of this tree, but I wanted to give you the full name for context. I have no chance of pronouncing the name of that tree. I could try. If you are a young person and fancy your chances of saying that perfectly, come and see me afterwards, and I'll give you a piece of tuck if you can do it perfectly. Okay. But for, for now, I'm just going to call them a redwood tree, because that's, that's a wider family of tree that they belong to. Now, this tree is spectacular. Okay. It's the... It's, it's essentially the tallest tree in the world, and the tallest redwood tree, or one of those, is actually 115 meters tall, which is higher than the length of an English football pitch. That is a massive tree. And naturally, when we think of something that's really tall, even when you have flats or buildings that are tall, they have to have really deep foundations. But arguably, the most fascinating thing about this tree is that the roots only go between 6 to 12 foot down. Something that's so tall, and only about one or two of me downwards. To me, that doesn't, as a, someone who's also really into nature, may I say, doesn't really make too much sense. 
The thing is, though, is that you'll never find one of these trees by itself. They always grow together. When growing together, they protect each other from the wind and the rain and all the elemental forces that might come against something that is so tall. You'll never find one of these trees together. They do community really, really well. Sometimes better than us, basically, is what we're saying. The other fascinating thing about these trees is that the roots, I think we've got a picture, they may only go six to 12 foot down, but they go 100 foot wide and they interlink with each other all the way through. The, way, the, the, the length at which they spread is, is where their strength comes from. It's where they support each other. That's why you'll never find a redwood tree by itself because there's nothing to interlink with and then it is weak. These guys not only look like they do community really well, but in the depths, they also do community really well. And this is a message for us, not only for linking to the 99 sheep, for those going to university, oh, Sam hasn't gone, he's just moved seats. Other youth that are going to university, Get into a community when you go. Get into a community like these trees where you interlink with each other, strengthen each other, help each other when you're in need. That is what I think community really is. And as we, as we launch our community groups, this is something that we should aim for. I think anyway. I get really excited at the thought that if someone else in the church is struggling, they can call so many different people and say, I need your help, and we'll just go. It's about strengthening one another, interlinking with one another. And that is a message for the church today. This is something for us all to walk together into. I'm really excited by the possibility of this. And as Martin mentioned just before I came up, I look after the youth work. And I was trying to think of a way to display this even one step further than the roots. And Samuel, I actually wrote this in my notes as Samuel mentioned in his testimony. I didn't know his testimony, so I gambled, but it was a safe gamble. Samuel mentioned New Day, and this is a camp where we all go away for. Six days we go camping, we cook for about 150 people. Um, It's a big, big operation, but it's one of the joys of my year, although it makes me really tired. (laughs) And it is the one moment where the true community of our youth work, where they all have different groups, come together and it is displayed. Now, I can't lie, when there's tired teenagers, there are always going to be disagreements. But actually, you have heard, if you've been coming over the last few weeks, so many stories about how beautiful this community was. Even people who don't really want to come, come away changed. Not only because we're going for God, but because there's a community together that supports each other, that looks after each other, where you can belong and be exactly who you are, but journey towards God. It is a beautiful expression of community. And actually, of all the, pe- all the young people we've been baptizing over the last few years, all apart from two have mentioned New Day, and that's because they hadn't come. There's a reason. These communities not only strengthen each other, but they're a place where we can reach out and people can find God. So when we enter into our community groups, we want to use them as a tool of evangelism, as a tool to reach other people and say, if you're exploring God, come and explore God with us. We will walk with you and we will strengthen you. And that is true power of community. The question is, though, this is all well and good. God searches for the one. We know that we see it through the story. We've seen an example of that in the baptistry today. We also know that God places us in community. There's a biblical importance of supporting one another. And loads of stories in the Bible display that. 
But what does it mean for us today? For us that are walking out of here today, whether you've been here for 40 years or this is your first time, what does it mean for us today? What do we need to go home with? You see, at New Day, we were also introduced to a song which I have really been living with since then. I listen to it all the time. Anyone who's been in the office with me or even heard me just walking around will know I just sing it all the time. It's called Same God. This song talks about different stories of the Bible where God has come through time and time again and says that I am the same God as we see with, with Mary, as we see with David, as we see with Samuel in Samuel's life, as we see right here, right now. The one that says that we are value, we are inherently valuable, and that searches for us is the same God that is here, right here, and right now. The same God that if you've, if you've been a Christian for a long time gave you that first initial revelation, like that little girl in youth did last week, I know that God cares for me. It's the same God that is right here, right now. And we're going to listen to that song in a second, but I want to just talk us through the words just as we come into land. And as I just read these out, I just want you to let God speak to you. The words, I don't know off by heart yet, so I'm just going to read them out from my iPad. It says, I'm calling on the God of Jacob, whose love endures through generations. I know that you will keep your covenant. A covenant is a promise. God says all the way through the Bible that he is with us, that he is going to protect us, and he will keep that promise, the same God. Then it says, I'm calling on the God of Moses, the one who opened up the oceans. I need you now to do the same thing for me. The story of when people walked into the wilderness were guided by God, it's the same God now. God in that story opened up the oceans for his people to be delivered goes on to say, oh God, my God, I need you. Based off this revelation of who God is and that he is the same, we re- realize that we need him. And that new day, as the song was introduced the first night, everyone was kind of standing there going, yeah, okay. By the fourth day, all the youth had their arms up just declaring that they need the same God that endures through generations and that is the same for us today. It then says, I'm calling on the God of Mary whose favor rests upon the lowly, I know with you all things are possible. That's a good promise to have. With God, all things are possible. It then goes on to say, I'm calling on the God of David, who made a shepherd boy courageous. I may not face Goliath, but I've got my own giants. There's a promise. The same God who was with David, who fought Goliath, if you know that story, even though he was young, is with us now as we fight our own trials and temptations and battles. God is with us. And then there's a few other verses that emphasizes that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it finishes with this bit here. It says, you were a savior then, You are a savior now. You are the same God. The same God, through all of those stories, through all the Bible, is the same God that saved Samuel, brought him to this moment before he's gone off to university. It's the same God that I believe is speaking to everyone in this room today. It's the same God that says, you are inherently valuable. Does that make sense? I'm not going to 
like, just walk off. I want us, I, I believe there's a twofold response. God's speaking to us about a personal relationship, the value of the one. We're going to respond to that first. We're going to play a song in a second. We're going to listen to this song, and the words will come up on the screen. But I want you to, to just listen to the words. If it's the first time in church, maybe it's a time where you'll go, I want to investigate this a little bit more. If it's your 200th time in a church, maybe it's a time to go, I want that same revelation I had 40 years ago, that you care for me, and I want to extend that. Maybe you're sitting there and you go, God, I want to build this community on the foundation of the same God all the way through the Bible. And then we're going to listen to this song, we'll finish off. And then afterwards, we're going to respond in the second way, by being community together. There'll be snacks outside. We want to stay around. We want to celebrate Samuel. And we want to push into this community that we have in this room. We want to be those redwood trees that spread far, support each other. So I'm going to pray, and then we're just going to listen to this song, and then Martin will come up and, and guide us to the end. If you'd like to, you don't have to. If you'd like to close your eyes, that's okay. You can respond exactly how you want to. But I'm just going to pray for us now. Father, I thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. I thank you that I myself and everyone in this room is inherently valuable. That within all our stories, there are stories of you searching for us because of the value that you have put in us. And Lord, as we just listen to this song, I pray that you speak to us. I pray that you guide our personal responses to you and what we've seen, the display of your faithfulness in the baptistry, what we've heard through the worship and through this talk, Lord. I just pray that you are with us and you speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You have been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.